Hello and welcome to the next episode of Lost in Criterion. I'm John Patrick Oatari Dorgan, and with me, as always, is a man who not only catches them, but also breeds them. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, just to throw them through windows. Right, that's, yeah, I don't... That's what I, I do. Yeah, we'll get there eventually. I mean, I'm just there's so much more movie to a, talk about before we get to that. I'm very surprised that a rat thrown through a plate glass window doesn't just die uh, smattered against the plate die. glass window. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I would assume it would be dead when it gets inside, if it rats even have, gets inside. Rats, rats have good weight, but it survived. It, it came through unscathed and then started running around. Well, it, yeah, it should at least be like stunned. Yeah, um, and to be thing. fair, I don't think it should get through. Like. In all honesty, Adam, have you ever, like, actually thrown a thing in a window? I'm sorry. I thought you were going to ask me if I've ever thrown a rat. <laughs> no, I have never thrown a rat. The answer to both but, questions is actually no. Um, <laughs> like, I, I, I have a fairly decent idea of the weight of a rat because I've picked up similarly sized animals before. Um, yes. And I've even picked up bigger animals. Here's what I'm going to say. Have you ever, if you've ever tried to actually throw a thing in a window or even break a window... Yeah. It's actually incredibly hard. Windows are. They are incredibly kind of resilient. And especially, like, you know, now we have double-pane pane glass a lot of times, but, like, it's also very thin glass because it's modern glass. Yeah. The kind of glass you're looking at on those kind of windows is basically probably, like, quarter of an inch thick. Yeah. No less than an eighth. It's not yeah. – we're not you talking – like, I mean, you measure that – I mean, it – you know, yeah. I mean, it's thick glass and – if you've ever, like, for example, tried to break a bottle. Listen, movie movie glass is always much more brittle. Yeah, well, that's because it's made glass. out of sugar. But, I mean, what I mean is, is like, I mean, and there's a lot of unrealistic things about this movie. But that is yeah. one of them. Because also, throwing anything that has any sort of absorption elements to it, yeah. that glass means you will ne- almost never break that, break that glass. Yeah, unless big, you are throwing it at hurricane speeds. A big fat rat ought to be absorbing that impact. Right. I mean, you could probably throw a dog at one of those windows and it wouldn't go through. I mean, like, we could just keep (laughs) scaling the mammals up until we hit the mammal that would actually break the window. I'm going to go with probably, like, I don't know, small bear. You think think bigger than a rat. Yes, for Um, sure. I'm going to say maybe you throw, like, a large dog at the glass and it might break. I think we can get a dog through there. Um. I I don't think you get, like, a terrier through there. Maybe, um... Maybe hit it head-on, maybe. This seems to be the sort of thing that Mythbusters should be investigating. Yeah, they should not... Like, yeah, for real. But they, they would have to reference this movie on Mythbusters, and I'll I send, think that's a that's a no-no. I'll send, it, I'll send an email later. Um, just, um, just generally. A show that is no longer on air could, oh, yeah. could research a movie that has a good three-minute-long rape scene. Oh. I, it's not it a good rape scene. It is th- a... Good three minutes of rape. Um, I, I shouldn't use yeah, the word good. It's just your colloquial use of the word good. There. I'm sorry. Uh, that is just the way I speak English. <laughs> I do not mean that the rape scene is good or that it is an enjoyable three minutes. I mean that that three minutes is at least three minutes. Yeah, probably yeah. longer.
So this week we'll be talking about Straw Dogs, a 1971 film by Sam Peckinpah. This is Peckinpah's uh, seventh film and his first non-Western, though arguably I think it still might qualify as a Western. Right, just because it's in the UK does not make it not a Western. <laughs> yeah. Um, stars Dustin Hoffman and Susan George as a young couple. Uh, he is a mathematician. She is a blonde woman. Uh, <laughs> you described her entire personality, Adam. <laughs> Good job. Sweaters. Uh, who have moved to the UK, uh, to the town where she is from in Cornwall, uh, to get away from the hubbub of America during Vietnam, basically. <laughs> they, he needs to get work done and they, and, and is like, hiding from. Right. Like, I can't imagine that, like, at any, like,. <laughs> What was the big problem in, in America? Well, the big problem in America at the time, specifically for someone with an intellectual career like him, would be campus protests against Vietnam. And, and I mean, it's 1971. There's there's a lot going right, on. Right, I know. But, I mean, I feel like if you don't want to be involved in the, in the world around you, you could pretty much do that anywhere. You'd think you could. Like, I don't um, think people were dragging him out of his office to protest. They're like, oh, like... What are you doing in here doing work? Get out here and depending, protest. I could see depending on the campus he's but, on. I mean, that there's he could be, other he places could be on meeting, Earth in America. Yeah. He like, could be go meeting to a fucking pushback. Park. He could be meeting pushback from not wanting to, to make a decision. That's one thing about this film. Um, she does imply that he's a coward it, for like fence sitting. She, call, she calls him a coward. Um, you know, and, and one problem I have with this film is that it... Uh, it, or at least there are outside forces uh, or outside people describing his character as a pacifist. And I don't think he's a pacifist. He's certainly non-combative. Right, but um, I think he's mostly just disinterested. At least for the most part. But I think he's mostly just disinterested. Um, and maybe afraid to make a commitment, but but pacifism is a, is a commitment. Right, pacifism is as not, much a choice as anything else. Yeah. Whereas he is trying not to make a choice, is what it seems to be, and actively trying not to make a choice. Right, um, and that's his choice. <laughs> so it's not really pacifism, uh, and that that kind of yeah. Well, it just goes as to someone the fact who views like, himself as a pacifist right, and, and, and yeah, views sure. pacifism as as not. Uh, this is, we might as well call this the pacifist podcast yeah. because. There are two yeah, people can, who consider are. themselves we pacifists are. on this podcast. You probably more intensely than I do, but yeah. nonetheless, I agree um, with you. I agree 100% yeah. with you. He is absolutely not, and it, and it, it puts us in a odd position where there's always these statements. It's similar to atheism, another thing I consider myself, and like yeah. where people say, like, oh, that's only true when you don't need – you know what I mean? Like there's always this kind yeah, of argument that like – I don't want to have no this, such like, thing no as an true... atheist in a foxhole, or there's no such thing yeah. as a pacifist. Yeah. Who, like, I don't want this yeah. this no true pacifist pacifist <laughs> conundrum to pop up here. Uh, I just he doesn't self identify as a pacifist at any point in the film. Uh, so so calling him a pacifist, I don't right. But is, I feel like the movie is, is in some ways trying to make that argument that like trying to by saying to argue that, that there person, can't be a pacifist, right? That. That everybody becomes a fighter when the chips are down or something. You know what I mean? That sort yeah. of like, oh, you can't – you're only a pacifist until somebody like 
takes a swing at you or something like that. And I don't think that yeah. that's true, but I feel like that is an argument that the movie does slightly try to posit. Here's the like, thing, He's though. so and, non-committal for so long, and then suddenly, like, yeah. now he goes into Rambo mode. A very a very interesting like, thing. Well, I don't have a Rambo mode, and I'm not going to. And it's... In it, in its, uh, in its presentation of that, I think is also condemnation of that in a lot of ways, um, of that violence, and 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 maybe a condemnation of humanity for for only being able to uh, come to that violence. I but would agree with that does, as well. So what it does, uh, if you mention pacifism today, even uh, in in any group of people, a straight white man uh, is going to stand up and say, "Well, what if what if your wife's being raped, and you walk in on it and have a gun?" You're not going to shoot the guy, um, and one there's there's like a lot of this other is a very deep rhetorical to, question. It doesn't. It's a super rhetorical question, but that is that is a thing that almost happens here. Not not quite as uh, boiled down. Well, but to, that's because to the bare facts, right? And that's because they can't. Nobody in their right mind can actually make that movie with that rhetorical question because <laughs> yes. he doesn't actually know that that is happening. No, no, he doesn't. And so, therefore, it's not a question. I mean, it's not a question anyway. It's one of those weird actually, things where it's actually like, well, when it comes. And the weird thing is that when it comes to turn, uh, when it comes to blows, and and his wife is actively uh, in the process of being raped uh, in the final sequence, it's not him who stops it. Well, he's not given the power to. The he's fact of the matter the is, to. is that the movie kind of, in a weird way, drops the ball. Yeah. And but ultimately, that way. Ultimately, what it does, though, and and what it does as is, I think, an answer to that sort of weird, that pacifism rhetorical, is uh, even even if we accept that he is doing this, using violence to protect his wife, uh, though it's it's very interesting to to note that in all of his defense of what he's doing in the final third of the movie. Uh, he is talking about protecting his property, not he is. his family. Uh, but even so, if we accept that, if if the people who ask this question of me when I bring up pacifism are thinking of straw dogs or ever stumble upon straw dogs and say, hey, look at this. This is proof. Uh, this movie does not paint him as a good person in any man. No, it doesn't. And I, that's <laughs> Before actually. Before or after he does that. Here, and here's the thing. Okay, so this is kind of where we need to kind of start digging into this movie a little bit. In that, like, it's kind of fascinating. I, you and I, before we started recording, you talked about, like, what we would. How we feel about this movie. And yeah. you, it sounded like perhaps you didn't really like it. It's not, it's not that I didn't like it. I think it does some very fascinating things. Uh, this isn't. This movie does not come to a moral conclusion, and because of that, I can get into it. It's not like the life and death of Colonel Blimp, where they put a period. Right? Yeah, I agree. Say, yeah. And it's a period that I fundamentally disagree with. Um, whereas this, this kind of ends in a question really mark, Basically, to... it kind of ends in yeah. a like an ellipsis and says, like, well, you know, that's the thing I made like. I presented to you. Yeah. You deal with it. Yeah. And that, if you think about the era in which it was made, in the place in which it was made, it, it makes sense that that would be the ending. Yeah. Like this is not a time or a place in in this kind of more slightly more artsy film for periods. It's a time and a place yeah. for well, this ellipses. This is the same day, same year, 
this came out the same year as Clockwork. Yeah, Orange, I know. The yeah. French Collection, Dirty Harry. These are movies that glorify fasc- fascist violence. Yep. Um, well, at least, and, and at least depend, Dirty Harry. depending on yeah, depending on your perspective the on French those Connection. movies, glorify <laughs> yeah. and or like over highlight them to make it obvious. Yeah, depending. On the perspective <laughs> That's the thing about it. Dirty Harry. Like, like you could you can read the first one as a critique. It's like Rambo. The first yeah, movie I mean, is yeah. clearly a critique. Well, that's of what I'm the saying. And that's, that's whereas, it's, yeah. whereas moving forward, well, it becomes a celebration of the main character. Well, but you can't every sequel as a part <laughs> yeah. of the whole, since most of the time they're not made by the same auteur, right? Like, I mean, that's that's true. You too. have to give credit to the guy who made the first one and say, well, okay. There's a reason why this this level of violence, this insanity level of violence, is so intense. And that is to paint yeah. a specific picture and leave you a specific taste in your mouth. And if you don't actually walk away with that taste, yeah, you probably are not viewing it correctly and maybe need to see psychological counseling. <laughs> I'm not sure. Well, that's that's the other half of that is that uh, movies like that that try to be so over t- over the top as to uh, challenge us in accepting it period and i think i think this movie is in the same vein yeah it's in the same vein it's not as intense it it does it tries to do it in a different way i think is honestly yeah and i think it tries to do it in a way where the point is not so well made Mm. um but then again like i already said i'm not sure that this movie is necessarily trying to make a specific point more as present a specific reality and and leave you to question it. Right. And I think that I honestly think you're right about that. I think that is literally the goal of this movie is to be, okay, here's the scenario. We're yeah. going to run you through him and what he does in this scenario. And we want you to spend a lot of time thinking about what you would do in this scenario yeah. What you would do different? Like, what does this yeah. mean? Like, what what do we know about these characters now that it's complete? And well, it's not even yeah. so. And we even do. It's odd because we, you described his his wife as you know her her characteristics as being blonde. And and the beginning of the movie that is her characteristic. And she does gain some throughout the movie via her interactions with things. It's still she's not as fleshed out as she could be. Yeah. Um, I would like her to be more fleshed out because her her job seems to be mostly to be raped. I think her she she has a character is uh, the actress does a very good job um, with what she's given. Yes, I don't but she's not she's given, given a lot. Much. Now <laughs> really there are there is there is more to her than her victimization. Uh, in that you know the interactions of them, they have a very a very complicated relationship and she, she, that shows through well. Mm. Now at times they're very playfully flirty. At times it's clear that they just like messing with each other. And at times they're outright fighting yeah. and mad at each other. Uh, and this, this comes and goes and washes over. Um, I do like that. Uh, when she, when she's describing what he does uh, to her ex-boyfriend in the very first scene and he interrupts her and says, good try. I just like firmly establishing that we should not like Dustin Hoffman in this movie <laughs> right, right from the beginning yeah. because he's an ass. Yeah, he is. And, <laughs> and that's, I mean, and that's, that's where it gets it. That's what makes the movie interesting. And like, you know, when we were talking like, I, I think you were a little bit before we started the recording, a little bit surprised that I could deal with this movie. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I was a little bit too. Uh, generally, you don't like psychological thrillers, I and do, especially ones well, that deal I, with. I, I don't like certain kinds of psychological thrillers. This one's not terribly uh, a thriller. 
Um, yeah. I'm not sitting on the edge of my seat. It's, not, it's more it's of a it's less, a more really. of a weird character study. <laughs> yes. In in guise of a thriller, um, I will say that I do not. I generally do not react well to a couple different things in movies. Um, sexual assault and anything to do with children at all. Basically, just you know. But I will say that this is one of those situations where I kind of appreciate that we do we are going through the Criterion Collection. And there's not a, there's no avoiding this. Because despite the fact that I do not enjoy those kinds of scenes in movies, and I prefer not to watch on my own movies that contain those kinds of scenes, I do appreciate being occasionally forced to deal with them uh, because it does allow me to kind of expand my perspective and deal with the fact that, I mean, in general, I like most of this movie. I don't like 100% of this movie. I think it has some goofy, dumb bits. Um, I think some of the setup is pretty stupid. Um, and I don't like watching anybody be, be raped, basically. I mean, that's not... <laughs> that's a, good. I mean, that's, well, I mean, you know, I mean, they're, I mean, it is a fetish <laughs> that people have. Um, that is, that is also true. And, usually uh, and we will, we will kink shame them. Well, we most of those people deal with that in ways that are not dangerous. But, um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying that, like, that was a, a difficult part of the movie, but in general, like... I do like the things we talked about where it doesn't really necessarily come to conclusions about things. It doesn't necessarily yeah. like make us deal with making moral judgments on people. Um, yeah. Except for the fact that the only thing I will say is that it, in its own way, like a horror movie, it kind of does make judgments by killing everybody. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? Well, it, the end, the end, the end does play into that sort of uh, crazy hillbilly horror genre right yeah in in that this gang of people this gang of drunk rednecks is is attacking um another way this film gets just described that i don't necessarily agree with uh is as uh, is that watching this film is like watching a fuse burning slowly no and then no. it gets to that explosive ending and and i think that's only true if you know about the explosive ending but here's what i'm <laughs> going to say is that of all the things about this movie, the explosive, quote-unquote explosive ending is the least rewarding part of the movie. Yeah. I would have preferred a movie. Okay, now this is a ga- little game we call Pat Creates a Fantasy Movie that's not the one he watched. <laughs> uh, we do this occasionally because Pat it's thinks true. about these things while I'm watching the movie I'm actually watching. Yeah. Because I, yeah. much like lots of <laughs> trauma victims, I deal with my, the movies that I have things in them I don't like by just creating a fantasy world. Much like our, our victim in this film. Yeah. Um, I created a movie in my head wherein we spend the rest of the film dealing with the fallout of that rape. Yeah. And and how lives continue to crumble and fall apart and the world gets destroyed. And that's, that's a really interesting thing about, about this movie is that it's really disjointed mm-hmm. in how everything's interacted because there is no fallout from that rape. No, because I mean, her we go from that fallout, rape yes, to crazy hillbilly but, like attack land. We basically yeah, do it overnight. But the crazy hillbilly the crazy hillbilly attack mode has nothing to do with that rape. No, it doesn't. It's got and that's what makes it do. even more fucking insane. It's like yeah. it's like they made two movies. Well, that's that's the thing. One thing I think that this is trying to say, you know, something we touched on already about 
uh, how how you're forced to make a choice. And, and personally, I think pacifism is the is a choice. Well, but, but this is a character who doesn't want to make a choice. And he just wants to be disengaged from all of this. And people make choices that put you into the situation. Because this situation has very little to do with him. And the only reason he's involved in the situation at the end isn't because of who he is or who he has been throughout this entire movie, but because of the fact that he picked up a guy who he hit with his car who happens to have enemies. Right, and, and made a choice to not give him over to... And, and made a choice, like, at a least hospitality the, choice, and that is that is a strong choice, and that is a choice of courage. Yeah, and I and that's what I would say is that, like, at least in that moment, I can empathize with the character. Yeah. I can deal with the fact yeah. that, like, oh, I would not hand this person over. Yeah. But, like, what proceeds and what follows, I can't as easily empathize. Because he is kind of just an asshole. Um, and But so is pretty much everybody else in this world. Um, and you, you hope that you could find a third way, but at the same time don't really need to waste the energy figuring out a third way because this is a weird hypothetical situation that, that right and and the movie in my paint, life and the movie never does things that reality wouldn't do it paints him into a yeah. corner and that's where you get into these rhetorical questions it's like well that's what makes them a rhetorical question like yeah the the, the things that the people who attack do following a certain point are just movie shit yeah because People don't chuck fucking rats through windows because they're drunk and they want to murder a dude. Like, this does not happen in the world. Um, Worse things happen in the world, but not this thing. There is... uh... There's a book called Farewell to Mars uh, by a guy named Brian Zahn. I can't remember if this is from the book or, or something I've read from him elsewise. Uh, but Brian Zahn was an evangelical minister, still is an evangelical minister, uh, who realized in a post 9-11 world that his sort of pro-America, God is on our side, stance within conservative Christianity uh, did not fly with what he thought Jesus was actually saying. And and he starts he starts a farewell to Mars regretting the fact that, you know, uh, on September 15th or 16th or whatever day it was, 2001, he gave a sermon, and maybe it was maybe it was a year later after after war was right. formally being declared. But he gives a sermon, you know, talking about God supporting our actions as we invade Iraq, or 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 seek seek vengeance for what has happened. Uh, and he comes to regret that. Uh, but one thing I talked about. You know, if you mention pacifism, the first, one of the first things that comes up always is, is some guy shares this weird rape fantasy. Uh, and Brian Zahn says that his his go-to response to that now uh, would say, well, what do you do? It's like, well, I rebuke him in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> we we sit down and share a meal together. And within six months, he's a deacon at my church. <laughs> and people and people say, well, that's that's not realistic. He says, well, neither, <laughs> is your, neither is your premise. Yeah, yeah. You don't get to you don't get to define the rhetorical question, right? Yeah, like if you're going <laughs> to live in yell at me for giving a rhetorical why. answer, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, so exactly, yeah, no, yeah, exactly, and and that's see, that's what, yeah, but that's I mean, the movie does that's that's the thing though, the movie does define a universe, and yeah. then just kind of in the last twenty minutes says, man, fuck it, 
Because there was a, a this movie did have a fuse that was boy it was burning. Yeah, and it was but it is good, not, but it, it was is not, not leading the to the explosion that comes up. It was not. Essentially, the movie yeah. ends at their kind of fight after the rape scene, mm-hmm. because that's where that story. Well, I mean, I guess when she's at the the, the church. No, no, sorry, the movie ends at the yeah. church because yeah. we go into a subplot. That takes over the movie because yeah. she and his relationship is the crux of the entire movie Yeah. until it now, decides that another person is the most important element of the movie and then makes him deal with it. It's very, very odd that way. Now, when it switches over, uh, it also changes the dynamics of their relationship, right? Yeah. Uh, so, is it Harry? Is Harry the... the uh, Mentally challenged guy. I, can't I think his name. Yeah, yeah, it might be. It's all, it's, it's all a bunch of white guys. I can't yeah, no, and they all look anyway. exactly the same. I mean, like my <laughs> well, most my of them. Most of them are meant to bad, be related. Only probably. the guy with the fake nose is the only person I can identify individually. <laughs> Everybody else because he's wearing a fake nose and guy always, of roughly the same height, wearing a fake nose and always laughing. Um, which, which, that guy <laughs> just why is he yeah. in this movie? What the fuck is he even doing there? He's just uh, just a guy, you know. Right, right. Like nothing, Except for nothing he's he not, does. He's not a person. Nothing that lives. he does during the assault, uh, during the siege, um, makes any sense whatsoever. No, it doesn't. <laughs> but his makes extra less sense. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah. Anyway, throughout throughout that, we'll call it the siege scene. Now, but yeah, it's use a, that word. Yeah, I like it. it makes um, sense. He. Uh, Uh, David, Dustin Hoffman's character, becomes much, it's hard to say he becomes more assertive toward Amy, because he's all, he's been yelling at her to leave him alone. Right, no, I mean, that's In the any thing, right? He, he is not any, the only difference no. is, is... He does hit her. He does hit her, which is yeah. upsetting. Um, yeah. Although people just seem to feel like she's just a fucking punching bag anyway. So, yeah. Um, which again... In a different movie where there's not a fucking zombie attack scene at the end, <laughs> yeah, um, th- that that element could be interesting explored to its conclusion, right? The fact that she is kind of a punching bag for people would be an interesting exploration, but um, no, not in this movie. Um, so yeah, no, he does hit her, but yeah, it, it's he doesn't become more absurdive. It's just I would say that he does become more violent. Uh, so that yeah. is more terrifying for her, I'm sure. Um, yeah. But also, it's but like it's... one of those like classic, like, oh, my my what was just me being annoying and aggressive before is now me taking charge and handling the situation. Yeah. yeah, which I which I think is another thing the movie's trying to say is that there is no difference. He was always this violent person. Uh, he was just right. And if uh, you view the movie, if you read the movie that way, it's it, that makes it more interesting, actually. Yeah, because this violence yeah. was always a part of him. He just never let it get this wild and out of control. Yeah. I, I still think s- he might have killed the cat. <laughs> I have no proof that he didn't. I guess there's no, he does no one threaten to admits, kill the cat if it goes no one, into his office. No one ever, uh, no one ever admits to killing the cat, and no one ever even like playfully admits to killing the no. cat or makes some sort I'm, of subtle. Well, subtle here's what I'm going to say. Here's cats. the reasons why I believe he killed the cat. As soon okay. as he gets home, he asks about it. Yeah. 
which he doesn't seem to give a shit about that cat except for at that moment. Yes. And he, yes. the way the way the movie decides to deal with the tension of revealing the cat is by having yeah. him be very deliberate about going to the closet and opening it, which can be is just a movie trick, right? But could also be read yeah. as him knowing what's inside and building yeah. his own personal tension about it. So I kind of think he's a cat murderer too. <laughs> which if you do it that murderer. way, this gets even that's, more fucked up. That's uh that's fair. Maybe David does kill the cat. Uh Another way I started thinking about this movie while I was watching it was as a uh, treatise against libertarianism. Um, okay, yeah. In that, in that uh, these are these are a whole bunch of uh, middle-aged white guys, uh, young and middle-aged white guys. Uh, well, who knows how old they are? Because in fact, literally the only age, the only the only government official in this entire movie, uh, the marshal or. They call him a major. He's the local magistrate. Yeah. Uh, literally, the long arm of the law is broken, uh, and he's completely ineffectual in handling the violent elements of his society. Uh, so it is a whole bunch of men uh, determining that violence uh, violence is the only way to protect personal property, and personal property only, and really personal. Because of that, the flip side of that, and, and the critique of, of libertarianism is that uh, personal property only exists so because long of as violence. You, yeah, it's so long as you can protect it, right? <laughs> so long as you can protect it. Yeah. Um, well, and, and also, if you extend that even further, extends to yeah. people and yes. specifically women. Um, yes. And that's, that's the problem with this movie and the problem with that idea um, as it plays out so many ways in real life or even, even in just – I mean, go go to a men's rights website and you'll see. No, this I won't out do that over and over again. You can't <laughs> don't make me out of that. Don't, don't I won't do that. Do that. Um, but you'll you'll see these ideas come up in that um, we need violence uh, in order to protect what's ours, uh, and however we define what's ours, it usually ends up with our stuff and our women. Yep. Um, I mean, sometimes couched in better language, but it's the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and if and you know, I mean, you're you're basically only one step removed, of like just classifying every person that's not yeah. you as property, basically. Yeah. I mean, so reading reading this as as a critique of that idea uh, is to say that uh, those ideas themselves only lead to escalating violence. Yeah, I I I see what you're saying, and I can and I can definitely get on board with it as a as a fun mental exercise. Yeah, but, but not don't necessarily a good reading of the movie. Yeah, <laughs> much I don't like think Dustin can, Hoffman. I don't think Peck and Paw would ever as a theory. Yeah. I think it's fun. It's a fun intellectual game, but I don't yeah. think that's actually what the movie's trying to say. Um, I don't. I, I, don't I don't know what the movie's that. actually trying to say. I just don't. It doesn't <laughs> quite feel right. To yeah, me. I don't think Peck and Paw would ever uh, would ever actively try to say something like that. Uh, but maybe I don't know. I don't know. It was a different time, maybe. But. You know, I mean, it's just, yeah, the the way the, yeah, like, it's interesting the magistrate doesn't have any control over his society. Um, that, that's an interesting element of it. it but that, that plays into this thing that happens in movies, and, and they set it up from the beginning to be able to do this. This sort of weird s- small town universe that exists in movies sometimes, which... 
which um the um what's the name like you know for example uh hot fuzz and other movies like that make fun yeah. of it's like town gone insane you yeah. ever, it's like where does this exist <laughs> where like they just murder outsiders i mean essentially yeah. like where where like i don't know i get bothered by those kind of things because I, me being who i am i like to believe i live in a in in a universe wherein human beings are not just monsters with masks and, on and 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 maybe that's uh you know that is a fundamental that's a worldview thing right oh yeah i it's mean i definitely necessarily... have a worldview but yeah um so you know it's not it's not necessarily that our worldview is accurate Obviously, there are inaccuracies in our worldview, and obviously there are inaccuracies in the worldview that suggest that all people are like this, and we need to be armed all the time in order to protect ourselves from right. the, uh, monsters. Yeah, both extremes that, have flaws. And both them. extremes are problems, and, and I like to believe that I'm not on an extreme of this end, uh, in that I, I recognize that these things do exist, but uh, the fact that they do exist um, cannot mean that I succumb to them. Right. right? And my, my, the point I'm making is simply that I believe that the extremes exist and I don't, I don't try to fall. I try not to fall on the extremes, uh, too hard. But like what I'm saying is, is that it's hard for me to believe that every single human being in a town would fall on an extreme. Yeah. Like that, that stati- just from a purely statistical probability standpoint seems unlikely. We meet okay. like 10 people in this town. And every single one of them is a crazy monster. Now, mind you, this town has more people. Maybe perhaps everybody else yes. in this town is a normal human being. The magistrate and, and the minister is not necessarily a crazy no, monster. No, he's not. He's just he, crazy, yes. Monster, no. <laughs> crazy, crazy, yes. Monster, no. But I um, actually like the minister. That's okay. I, think, I did I, like He's the a minister. fun character. But that's the thing, okay? It's like, I guess what I'm really annoyed about is not so much that, but... The fact that this movie portrays itself in a very serious light as a sort of what I would consider, like I said, a almost character study rather than, or at least situational study rather than an actual thriller, okay? Yeah. And then occasionally just creates characters that are off the fucking rails. Yes. And that's not fair. You don't get to make a serious, dramatized character study and then also make characters who have who lack nuance entirely. Yeah. You can't you know, have your main character be a subtle not I mean he's not a subtle person, but a a, a designed yeah. character. There's who has a reason depth. And then make yeah. every other character a fucking batshit insane monster creature. You just don't get to do that. If your main character yeah. has nuance and depth and is a is a it's a portrait of him. You must therefore make the other characters he interacts with at least appear to be facsimiles of a character of characters that are that deep. That's the thing. David and Tom seem to be somewhat of a foil, but they exist in a universe where the Joker exists, right? Right. Um, <laughs> so, so the Laughing Man with with the fake nose, his character, I can't remember. No, I don't know his name. Maybe Charlie. I can't remember. Rat dude. Anyway, the rat guy. Uh, you know, he is essentially the Joker, yes, but our foil—there exactly. is no foil to him. So he's right, just we don't this get agent a Batman chaos. to match our Joker. Yeah, and yeah. and that's a problem, right? We and, and but it's it goes beyond that, right? Because most other characters in this movie are essentially caricatures. Yeah, we go in in terms of human like human depth. It goes 
Dustin Hoffman as David. Then it goes yeah. Amy, which despite her lack of death is one of the more human people in this movie. Okay. Uh, just because she's not extreme generally. Um, tends to express emotions in a way that seems probable. Yeah. Um, then we go, the Major's okay, but he is a caricature of a town marshal. Uh, yeah. And everybody else is like something out of a fucking, like, I don't know, dime novel. We've got yeah. our, our fat drunk who turns oh. super violent. We've got our, our, we have the Joker. Um, yeah. We've got we've got Charlie the ex boyfriend yeah. who who is really the only foil to, to right is the uh, is probably number three in actual humanity yeah. it's the closest yeah. thing to a one of yeah. the opposition characters that is and obviously human obviously he still does things that that are beyond I like to our kin, a normal but, human person would not think are okay right I agree with that but I can at least the range that he exists in up until the zombie attack is. Within the realm of humanity, it is gross. Yeah, it is. Oh, it is insane. He is a rapist. But it's not, he needs it to is go not to monstrous. jail. But he is not is unbelievable. Not. Yeah, he's not a monster yeah. in the sense yeah. that he, he is, is a character still a person. Of, of human aggression. He is a yeah human monster. <laughs> like yes. he is a monster of a human. Um, yes, but everybody else is not. Even our minister, as entertaining as he is, is essentially a, a caricature of a certain kind of weird local oh, yeah, minister. Yeah. He's, he's not, yeah. I mean, he's fun. He's, he's fun to watch. But, I mean, like, you see what I'm saying, right? Like, that's not... Essentially, that's, like, the movie equivalent of cheating, to my mind. Yeah. Of creating this... Like, oh, we're going to have this slow-burning, fuse sort of, like, oh, yeah. character relationship study... But then we're going to surround the, it with fucking Batman villains. Yeah, and the third act of this movie especially cheats. Well, it falls apart because they surrounded yeah. they surrounded this character study with Batman villains. If you put yeah. the Joker into our world, shit goes to hell in a handbasket pretty fucking fast. Because you can't yeah. put insanity, like true, like off-the-rails person who does things that make no sense that are even incomprehensible into the real world... And expect to have yeah. results other than the whole world getting burned to the ground. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. I, I mean, there's a there. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense, and that and that's why it falls apart at the end. I think is because I created all these crazy characters. Now they have to do something, <laughs> and and as such, they just die. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> they they do something and then turn into cannon fodder, basically. But yeah, yeah. Which, by the way, who's the guy who comes at the end? I lost track. The- the one that Amy shoots. Who's that guy? Where the fuck did he come from? He's just one. I think he's it's the guy who's been driving. The, it's literally this movie's equivalent of that last zombie at the end of a movie. I think Weird, he's like, the guy who's been driving the truck. The okay, all right. Truck. The guy sure. who picks them up. Because, like, I'm like, uh, where did he come from? And why didn't he just fucking leave after everybody he knows got murdered? But it just, yeah, it just seems like... like he is the zombie at the end of the movie. There's so many more people... <laughs> like, like I, and and part of it is the fact that they all look alike to me. No, but, yeah, they uh, do. But I just lost track. Like, like, like he's there, uh, but then I thought that the guy who rapes her or, or tries to guy. rape her that last time was that guy. Me too. 
I was so like, oh just, my god, he's back from like, the dead. Um, like, I'm not sure if there's... <laughs> like, Charlie's entourage, um, and then we have Tom, uh, obviously shows up with them at the end, but Charlie's entourage throughout the entire movie uh, is four people, I guess. But, like, only three of them, <laughs> like, two of them are the same person in my mind. Yeah, they are. And it was those Because they are portrayed that way. And, like... <laughs> yeah. We, and I guess, yeah, I guess you're right. It's the truck driver, but, like... What I'm saying is, is that you get this behavior in zombies because that's what makes them yeah. terrifying. Is the fact <laughs> yeah. that they don't give a shit because it's everything this, else this around them is murder. Horde. But people yeah. do, and yeah. everybody he knows is dead. Yeah, he's just gonna run in and grab him. Well, I mean, at, well, first at of all, this guy's turning into fucking like Macaulay Culkin. On the one alone. hand, he's just murdering people with traps and shit. So, on I mean, the one hand. On the one hand, I could see the justification in that it is it is a lashing out of vengeance. Now, now he thinks he needs to kill Dustin Hoffman's character. Yeah, because Dustin Hoffman's character is killed. It's all possible. Of I mean, I can see that existing, but the way he does it is so. I think the real problem is that uh, something I think we get lost, though the movie certainly tries to establish it, something I think we've gotten lost in motivations in that final scene is that they are all so incredibly drunk. Well, they maybe it's just because like they're... a bottle of scotch. Maybe it's because they're just all British, but I can't tell the difference. Yeah. Like, when, when they kill the magistrate, uh, the rational mind should say, well, this was clearly an accident. We are not all going to prison for this. He is probably going to jail for a little bit, but there is no reason to think that we need to kill all witnesses. Right, and it's also like another part of the rational mind that's even deeper and probably a little bit grosser would say, well, I mean, it doesn't really matter if we kill all the witnesses. We're fucked in this. I mean, yes. we're not walking away from this unless we murder everybody in the goddamn town. Because we're getting you gotta caught. Escalate everybody to the knows county, where we are. We're not going to be like, oh, well, we went up there, but uh, hmm, the gun, I don't know how it happened. Kill everyone in all of Cornwall. You, you know what I mean, gotta, right? Like, you, eventually, like, you got to kill the queen. Just yes, the shit escalates. Queen. Eventually, you're talking about a purge of the world because yeah. you're not getting away with it. Yeah. You're, you, and so, like, there's that, that element. But that's a, that's a common movie problem, right? Where it's like, oh, we got to kill the witnesses. Well, you mean, this is your gun. I mean, you literally own that gun. And yeah. you, they're going to know who shot it. I mean, you were angry. Yeah. You went up there with a gun. They don't have to be fucking Sherlock Holmes to figure out who killed the magistrate. Um, yeah. But, and like, like I said, you get that in movies all the time. That's okay. I can deal with that. But, okay, so they're super drunk. But, like, I don't... That's like a movie excuse. That's a thing well, yeah. movies use. Like, I, that's like... Just because it's... They're super drunk. It's like... That's on the level. That's on par with like fucking reefer madness. What I'm saying is maybe concept. that last guy, maybe that last guy's so drunk he's blacked out. Okay, blackout. I buy he's blacked no out, but then like funny. Dustin Hoffman should be able to take his ass. <laughs> you think? Because if you're drunk enough, <laughs> you shouldn't be able to. That stand that's up. your response to yeah. this situation. You are. They should all just be sitting outside in the grass, like saying they're going to run inside and like. Apparently, apparently, Johnny Walker is laced with amphetamines now. Right, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. It's like that's this is this is a world again. This is a, a world that doesn't exist. Like, okay, so let's imagine his tolerance is so high that he can still function while being that drunk. That also means that he, if his tolerance is that high, he's probably actually still relatively clear headed. So he still made a choice. 
I'm also kind of unclear on where he's been for the last right. I, exactly. Minutes. That's what I'm saying. Is like he is a he is a that that character in particular is a movie trope. Yeah, it's more like, than it's anybody like even else. Worse, it's even worse than the uh, than the group of ninjas dancing around the it two is. people who are it fighting. Is, you see it in almost every zombie. In that movie. all of he these people the who should be together who comes in yeah. after you think you've killed all the other zombies to give the audience yeah. one last shock. One last little jump scare. Like this movie, this movie has its emotional climax with Charlie's head in the in the human trap. Yeah, uh, and then we get. Well, it we has a her. climax there. I wouldn't call it an yeah. emotional climax because, frankly, yeah. like, <laughs> that happened earlier. Yes. Probably and the best guess, scene. You could have. I mean, is it the, the idea that she listens to him? What is that? What we need this for? Her actually listening to him when he says, "Get the gun and shoot this guy." Is that what we need? Uh, I guess so. I don't know why. Do we need to make her part of this? Yeah, we, we need to make I mean, her culpable, I think. I think, honestly, that that, that exists that, like, yeah. she needs to participate in the violence actively to justify his use of is violence. It that, is it that her, her insistence that they should just give the kid up uh, makes her a bad person and this is her redemption? But here's the thing: that is, murder that's is not a redemption. Uh, but um, capitulating to evil is is worse uh, than, than, than being than committing it than murder. No, no, no. Capitulating evil is worse than being uh, than claiming to be disinterested. You know, her her willingness to appease these guys uh, is perhaps meant to be somehow worse than right. yeah, okay. his insistence on not making a but decision I, throughout most of the film. I will say that I chose to read her insistence on capitulating as the direct result of severe mental trauma. Oh, yeah, yeah. She no, no, has that, survived that, things that... Absolutely, that interpretation broken her mind. only make sense would only make sense if she were of a more sound... Right, and that's my uh, problem, is the movie process. kind of forgets that she is... Yeah. Within like probably a day, suffered oh, severe after, mental trauma. After, she's in after the hardcore church scene, PTSD certainly. right now. Like we like we get it in the church scene, right? They, they they do remind us, but then they yeah. say like, "Nah, fuck it, it's fine. We don't need it. We got that. Now done. we gotta That's have done. this big fight sequence." And <laughs> and yeah. so like it, pretend, I choose to read that scene, the scenes inside the house, as that because. I mentally cannot deal with the fact that they forgot about that, but yeah. I'm pretty sure that the movie forgets about that. And then she <laughs> doesn't like make that decision does. because she is traumatized. She makes that decision because they need a, 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 a counterpoint to yeah. Dustin Hoffman's character. Not And I'm really... And that's gross. That's, that's fucked I'm up. I'm really worried about the reason they forget it being to play into this we get that interpretation of the first rape sequence as her starting to enjoy the sex. Which is, oh, okay, yeah. So, like, I yeah, I forgot we were, yeah, I forgot about that. Like, especially if you read the Wikipedia, and I guess it seems like that's the generally accepted construction. Interpretation. Which yeah. is, it, strikes is me this, as, this... like, a construction that was written by the same people who maybe post on men's right blogs. <laughs> um, because... It, it well, I, think, in a I think generally we do have a problem where where uh, our only female characters are also like cockadish, right? They're yeah. just uh, they're they're 
overtly sexual, and that's their only defining characteristic. At least with the with the younger woman, that is our only defining. Right, but she's part of at least with Amy. We get get a little more. I mean, she's yeah. We can't count her because. Because she's Her part lack of that of character ridiculous is no periphery more of every other yeah. character's lack of character. Yeah. Um, so I can ignore her. Amy has some depth. She needs more. Um, yeah. Her most of her depth comes in at the point in which she is a victim. Yeah. But um, it's like they're trying to give her some sort of depth by suggesting that she gives into this and is okay with it right which, if not actively enjoying it and that's right and so we get into this thing and you and i talked about it a little bit before we started recording like we get into a couple conflicting issues that are all gross at the same time yeah so we have and mind you this is 1970s so things have should have moved forward somewhat since then like they haven't <laughs> but they should have yeah. and i think you and i might be the product of some of that forward movement um, as people, I would say. Um, but so we get into the problem where, first of all, we're, we're forced to deal with an, an idea that something can stop being rape at some point if the person likes it. Yeah. And I don't think I'm alone. I think most reasonable human beings understand that if it starts as rape, it's rape, period. It continues being rape throughout. She is raped twice. She's not raped once. She's raped twice. Um, she doesn't consent. And the fact of the matter is, is the movie does actually do a pretty good job of, I think, explaining it to us. Although I think it must be ignored by people. We are getting yeah. constant flashes of Dustin Hoffman. Okay? Yeah. And yeah. some of them are flashes to him and what he's doing now. But some of them are flashes to him as a sexual being that she has sex with. Yeah, it's not. it's not just intercut of right uh, i think people choose to read it that way yeah but it's it's intercut with him in similar poses to the man that is raping her yeah okay and and in that sense i think the movie does a very good job in that i honestly think that what they're trying to tell us is that she is coping with this trauma in the way that she can by Which, flashing to those thoughts. Right, and and I think from what I've understand, I'm not I'm not an expert in this, but I do believe I have read that this is a thing that happens. When when people are subjected to extreme trauma, they will choose to deal with yeah. it by essentially m- mentally mitigating it, making it not yeah, exist to put anymore. It, to put it in very in very uh, trite terms, they go to their happy place. Right, exactly. Um, and so she must conceptualize mentally to survive this as yeah. not a rape. And you view you view that inner cut as her, as her mental state. Absolutely. And I think that's a good reading of that. I will uh, say that there is another way to read that, that that you've only just gotten me thinking about that. Yes, um, I know. That is the movie trying to suggest that his actions are the same as their actions. Right. Okay. So there's actually another one. Okay. So there's okay. that one. And then the other one would be... Uh, one where yeah, I think that's actually about the same as what I'm thinking. But yeah, where it would say like, <laughs> oh, she's cutting to this because, like, she's enjoying it as much as she enjoys what they do, or something I like that. That's the flip, or or the conceptualizing it as yeah. being a good thing. But the fact of the matter is, is that I don't accept. I mean, everybody's free to have their interpretation. I don't that either, but I think yeah. the only way I can deal with this as her being a real person. 
I think that's a good reading. Of is it. the reading I gave, and people could argue, but I think any other reading of it is the result of a misunderstanding of sort of the yeah. nature of sexual assault and the nature of kind of hu- yeah humanity, honestly, because believing that she can start to enjoy it, I think is that's a highway that that road leads to madness. Yeah, and that road leads to other ideas that I think we do run into, and that you and I have like kind of like complained and talked about in the past where you get into things where it's like, well, you know, I deserve her because I tried so hard to get her. And that sort of idea that like a lot of young men, especially fall victim to. Um, Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not discounting myself as well, but like in (laughs) that, in that list of people who fall victim to that, but the fact of the matter is, is that this idea that if I just push hard enough, if I just try hard enough, then She'll, she'll come around. Right. I What I do stops being weird and bad and becomes, like, a good thing. Yeah. And, and that's that's a lesson that, that movies teach on a, on a different... Uh, uh, yeah, they teach the opposite lesson quite, because almost every not, shitty romantic well, comedy contains that lesson in the wrong way. Yeah, Where exactly. a dude just where, pursues a woman so where, intensely. Where, where stalkerish behavior is, yeah. uh, is rewarded. Yeah. Um... And and yeah, this movie there is certainly a suggestion in the psychology that you know as as he goes along in his act of rape, uh, it'll start to be okay. Well, I mean, with, that, when, within his she should mind, be with him anyway. I have no doubt within his mind that is what is happening. Yeah, I don't think Charlie thinks he's done anything wrong there. Absolutely, Charlie is a monster, which uh, which is monster, why. Which is why when uh, the other guy walks in, um, uh, who is that? Uh, Norman. Um, when Norman walks in uh, and then commits that second act of rape, uh, it is something that Charlie does not. Does not, yeah, does not. Yeah, well, I mean, and we he get views it, it as wrong, right. which is why he kills Norman later. Right, exactly. That's what I was going to say. Is we get we get the final solution to that at the end because yeah, Charlie very clearly does not like it. Does just thinks that, that that guy has done something wrong and murders him for it. Where I don't think Charlie thinks that he's ever done it. Right, wrong. absolutely, he doesn't, and that and that feeds it. And 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 her response to it is not her fault, but it is it does feed yeah. into the psychology that he's built up. Yeah. Where I pushed hard enough that now she likes it. And, yeah. uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's fucked up, but I don't think the movie's trying to tell us that it's right. No. no I, I, I believe that this movie is trying to tell us how fucked up that is. Uh, but I think, I think so anybody too. who, I mean, I, rereading the Wikipedia, they do use language that suggests that that's not necessarily the case. Yeah. But eventually appears might, to submit. You might they be use the word appears. Yeah. You might be being unfair to the Wikipedia. I was. Well, I, I was using it well. But, to be fair, I was operating but on there are my other, memory of what I read there, yeah. three hours there are ago. Certainly, there are certainly other uh, reviews that suggest that is more of Well, and I think you and I were reviews. talking fact, about, yeah, fact, there's a difference the original, between the two cuts, right? There is a release cut of this film that suggests much more overtly that she enjoys that entire sequence. Right, well, so that's the thing, right? If you cut out the... Th- like the one or two minute block where he drags her by the hair and like she continuously yeah. says no and he tears her clothes open and all that shit. If you cut all that out and you just go from 
him walking in and like making advances to her scene on, the couch, on the couch. It does is a different scene. Yeah. At that point it becomes a consensual sex scene in which she thinks can, about her husband, yeah. which is more of a like cuckolding scene than it is a rape scene. Yeah. And if that's the movie that people saw because like of cuts, they saw a different movie, honestly. I mean, that's just a yeah. the story is up until the point where it goes to zombie land is a different movie at that point because she is an adulteress instead of a rape victim. I mean, yeah. that's that's a just very different movie. Yeah, and those are two very different things. Which well, that's what I mean. It's like yeah, they're, they're different movies because in reality, yeah, I mean they're different film. movie because um, <laughs> it's totally different concepts yeah. in the universe. Switching gears a little bit, I do want to talk about the uh, the pre production, the other casting, uh, okay, that were suggested uh, because I think some of them are more, uh, more <laughs> okay. ridiculous than others. Um, so I haven't uh, read for David. Either, so. For David, we have Jack Nicholson was considered. Oh, okay. Uh, Donald Sutherland was considered. Bo Bridges was considered. Uh, Sidney Poitier was considered, which I think in 1971 would have been this a very different movie. Yeah. Uh, because it would have had much... It would also would have had, obviously, the racial overtones uh, stronger in 71. Uh, Sidney Poitier, great actor, obviously. Uh, love Sidney Poitier. Uh, but yeah, for but it Amy's been a very, role, Yeah, yeah. For Amy's role, uh, Helen Mirren was was up just because, given this era and it was a film filmed in Britain, Helen Mirren should be up. Uh, but Haley Mills was considered for the role of Amy. Uh, do you know who Haley Mills is? I'm looking it up now. Haley Mills. Haley Mills was the star of The Parent Trap and Pollyanna. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Haley Mills was that British girl who worked for Disney for many years. And actually, actually, it turns out uh, Haley Mills was considered. Kubrick wanted Haley Mills for Lolita. And Disney, Disney said, no, you're not, you're not doing that. Right. <laughs> and she was still under contract. So it would be interesting. Uh, I'm not familiar with Haley Mills. Mills See, that's a, was uh, Haley Mills in 1971? That's the question. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because that's like ten years after the parent trap, right? And, and I'm I'm looking at you know, yeah, like I don't I would have to dig too deep into yeah, but 1971 time, I don't recognize any of the movies that she's in. Um, yeah, although it seems like she does as like there's a movie called Deadly Strangers uh, in 1976, <laughs> so she might have gotten just, a little bit I'm more not into familiar, it. I'm not familiar with Haley Mills' right. career from the time of Parent Trap until Saved by the Bell, um, right? So. So yeah, there's a there's a big gap in that, but it would have been it would have been interesting to me to see her in this role. Uh, but yeah, ultimately, I think the casting decisions that were made were were very good for the film. Yeah, it worked well. Um, although I will say that I I do have a a single problem, which is Dustin Hoffman is very very Dustin Hoffmany. He's more of an, he's slightly more of an asshole than he usually is. Well, that's that's the thing, right? Dustin Hoffman's normal character is a little more neurotic than right. his character. Although this guy is neurotic, he's just a neurotic asshole. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I mean, like, he's not maybe not as neurotic as Dustin Hoffman is, but like, there's a certain Dustin Hoffman-iness to most yeah. of his characters, and he does escape from yeah. it sometimes. And I usually like him better when he escapes from it. Um, that like it's a little bit. Every time I watch a movie like this of Dustin Hoffman, I just 
keep thinking about The Graduate. Yeah. And that's kind of all I can think about. And it's like the character from The Graduate doing this thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> that would be unfortunate if this were actually the character right. from The Graduate. Yeah, that, that it's is very true. interesting that this movie ends in sort of a bizarre mirror of The Graduate. You know, the graduate ends with with Dustin Hoffman's character finally asserting himself and rescuing his girlfriend, and they run away together. Right. Whereas this movie ends with him finally de- finally asserting himself, uh, and then leaving his wife alone in a house with a bunch of dead bodies while he drives. <laughs> Which, a guy like, home. honestly, like when I didn't really think about it that deeply until you just mentioned it, but it's a really like odd construction. Oh yeah, I'm gonna take this guy to the into town can you hang out with the five dead bodies yeah maybe start cleaning Six. shit up you forgot about the major he's oh, still right. yeah. out front she, he's so. not her problem it's outside also also it, it seems to me like Tom shouldn't be dead I mean yeah he blew his foot off and that's a lot of blood loss but he's probably not dead right no I don't think so I, I honestly I don't know that we know that Tom is dead yeah I think Tom is probably like slowly crawling back to the road <laughs> Maybe. Or I then again, like Tom is pretty, pretty drunk. It's quite possible that Tom off. is losing a lot of blood to the point where he just passed out and died. Yeah. If he's consumed yeah. that much alcohol, like his ability to clot is probably pretty limited. That's probably true. Though, though I feel like shooting your foot off is probably a good way to sober up fast. Well, that that's mental soberness. It doesn't fix your blood alcohol level. <laughs> that's true. Like, that's true. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't like, magically that's like, change that's like the that whole like, hot coffee, like hot, hot yeah. cup of coffee. It's like, well, yeah, that works to make you think a little bit more clearly. But guess what? You're still super duper drunk. <laughs> super duper drunk. That is true. That is and true. We, and we see uh, that like Tom has no impulse control from the beginning. And so like. No. I mean, we. He sure doesn't. <laughs> Tom Tom was drunk before they went to the pub and started drinking more. Yeah, no kidding. Tom, yeah. No, I mean Tom Tom was definitely drunk at the church. So. I'm not entirely certain that Tom has ever not been drunk. The character of Tom was probably born with a bottle of whiskey in his mouth. He has had children. He's had to he's had to be able to function a little bit. Well, I I mean like, you know, I mean his tolerance has got to be to the point where maybe he can just Complete that act, super duper 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 drunk. Maybe, maybe. I can believe that. Oh, now we're, we're digging a little bit into into Tom's backstory in a way I don't want to. No, I don't, I don't want to. Want to think I don't about it, really want to think about Tom as a as a person who copulates. Apparently, there are deleted scenes in which uh, an actress named June Brown, an actress named June Brown, plays Mrs. Hedden. It's probably better that she's not in this movie. Yeah. Just because she would be an actress who's married to a caricature already. So yeah. she would be somehow even less of a character. Yeah, probably. I'm just saying, because like if you get, the more steps you get removed from the center, presumably the more steps, like the less character you become. That's only like yeah. one that's only one step away from extra at that point. Yeah. So it, it occurs to me that uh, this is now I've opened Wikipedia and the plot synopsis. Says, <laughs> well, see, it's describes... important to understand that I read yeah. the plot synopsis halfway through yeah. the movie, <laughs> like eight, six hours ago, I guess. At this, it point. ends. It ends with uh, you know, the, like the third to last sentence is uh, that uh, David manages to kill his wife's rapist when uh, Charlie falls into the. Uh, 
the human trap. Uh, but I'm not entirely sure that this movie ends with David knowing that his wife's been raped. Well, I don't think he does. He knows that there was an attempted rape by Norman. And right. Stopped well, see, that's that. what that's what confused me is when I read this, I had not finished the movie yet. And I was like, yeah. oh, so Norman's going to fall down and get stuck in the man trap. And then that's not yeah. what happened. I was like, well, what's going on here? Yeah. Because, you know, yes, I mean, Charlie is her rapist as well, but he doesn't know that. So he's not, like, protecting her that way. I also think there's a there's a really subtle thing to the suggestion that, uh, and I, I absolutely hate that his response to her getting negative attention is to say, well, you should, maybe you should wear a bra. Yeah, that well, that's him being uh, an asshole. And it's him being an asshole, but at the same time, uh, the only scene we really have post-rape of her uh, is is the church, and then you know from the church, it's all one you know it's one constant uh, zombie stream, movie, one constant zombie movie. But but we don't switch days. There's no there's no time change. Right. Uh, we just move forward. Um, so suggesting that after and, and the church thing, the church social thing was within a couple of days of the rape scene. I'm not even sure it's, it's a couple next, of days, right? It's like they say it's next Thursday when okay. they meet with with the pastor. But with, how does the where does the, the pastor they say meeting it's going, relate to? Yeah, the, yeah. The she rape. says it, uh, they say it's going to be next Thursday. So, and that happens prior to the rape, uh, and there's at least a couple of days in there. Anyway. My point is, in the final scene, in sequence, she's wearing a bra. Mm. Uh, on the one well, hand, but like I mean, on the one hand, I could say Susan George, uh, as an actress, probably didn't want to play that entire scene with her shirt ripped open and not be wearing a bra. Right. Uh, but at the same time, it's it's interesting that perhaps that's meant to be some sort of characterization. Oh, I think it she, is actually like, I yeah. mean, like, yes, I think there's a, an actress consideration thing as well, but uh, <laughs> just generally not even wanting to have her like boobs hanging out for the entire rest yes. of the movie. But, um, but that's easy to fix. I mean, there's like grab some, something, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't take yeah. much character, like movie time for her to like grab something to put on, you know what I mean? Which she might do. I mean, you know, if she thinks it's mostly coming to an end or something, um, but I think it is, but, like, it fits into the fact that, like, considering our time period in, in, you know, the world, combined with just the kind of trauma she's gone through, she might be blaming herself. She probably is blaming herself, especially since her inconsiderate husband, who doesn't know she's been raped, says some really asshole things about her wearing a bra. Yeah. She yeah. might... That's not hard to believe that she would make a mental connection that says, like, oh, I got raped because I didn't wear a bra. Yeah. She's not yeah. right. That's what I think. I think she I think is the, traumatized. I mean, she's going yeah, to grasp for all she can. That in that characterization, she's internalizing uh, his critique. And, and it's often a societal critique that this, this wouldn't have happened if you weren't dressed provocatively. And she's internalizing that. And that's yeah. why she's wearing the bra in the final sequence. I think that's, that's what I'm trying to say. Right, and here's a. There's one more which, thing which I'm, makes the, yeah, which perhaps makes the movie a little deeper in its psychology. It is, than, but like given again, we could have gotten to that point without the yeah. zombie sequence. Um, we also could have, but like, I mean, we literally could have gone from A to B practically without 
Yeah. The, or yeah. we could have gone from A to C without the intervening B yeah, at all, point, basically. The point still remains that the entire the entire third act is unhinged from the rest of the yeah, movie and we it, never it, get it a both resolution. Space and time. It's just free. We only get a yeah. We only get a resolution to to her being raped by the fact that her rapists were incidentally killed in the final sequence. Right, which actually like husband, in, in a lot of ways of vengeance, is, is as an act of protecting himself and his property. Right. And and in many ways is a, it de- deprives her of her right to any sort of justice about what's been done to her. Yeah. Um because sh- she doesn't enact that justice. She's not even involved in that justice. Her husband yeah. for reasons unrelated to her rape kills them. Um yeah. and then the other thing you brought up the fact that she he just abandons her in that house uh, yeah. with all the dead bodies. He doesn't realize that she has been raped, and that's an important thing to understand in his behavior because he would probably be behaving differently if he had known. Not necessarily better, but differently. Um, is that like she just gets how I want more of her because can you imagine how fucking distraught she must be after? Being traumatized through rape, then traumatized through attempted murder like five times in a row, and then just being fucking basically abandoned. What yeah. what happens next? What yeah. and, and that's where the movie gets interesting. I think that's one of the reasons why I actually still kind of like the movie is thinking about what is the world that exists for them after this is over. Yeah, when he when when he says that he doesn't know how to go home either. Yeah. Uh, that is. You know, an in, uh, accurate description of where his life is at right now, and where both their lives are. Right, at. but I want her feeling. I want to know. <laughs> yeah, I want I would her, love her to feelings. say that. Yeah, more than I want Richard Drive's character, who I kind of or not. Uh, <laughs> Dustin Richard, Hoffman, I did not it. Richard How did Drive. I, I knew it was going to happen eventually. <laughs> I've been trying so hard all podcasts not to switch them because yeah. I switch them so easily in my head. Yeah, I I want I want more than I want to know what Dustin Hoffman's character, what David is thinking and feeling, because I kind of still don't care that much about him. He's still kind yeah. of an a- he's still kind of an asshole. Yeah, I don't, and I don't really, I don't connect want, to him. I don't want David riding off into the sunrise at this point, which is actually an interesting twist on that concept too, I suppose, uh, because he's not the hero riding off to the sunset. He right. is a a a man who has just made himself into a monster uh, riding out into a new day. Right. Well, a man um, who was already but, a monster who's made himself into a bunch yeah. of worse monster probably. Yeah. At least who's at least made that made that monstrous attitude visible. Um uh, but uh but I don't need him driving away as the final act. I want to know what's going on with her. Right. I want that her has, that has only coping. made hints of her psychological state throughout and mostly that is less through any act of the script and more through her acting yeah, uh, in well, a lot of ways. Right, yeah, that's definitely true. And honestly, what it leaves me with is that the the main crux of my problem with this movie, and, and mind you, there are enough things I like in this movie that I still kind of like this movie. Uh, there's enough interesting things that happen in it, in it, that I can still like it. But the fact of the matter is that it feels like basically somebody hot-swapped out a a third act wherein they deal with that rape. Yeah. And hot swapped out in a zombie scene. And and that that's the crux of the problem right there because we don't get to know how she deals with it because we're too busy dealing with a fucking zombie attack. And 
that's I mean that's a big enough failing that it really does bother me. But there's also enough interesting things in the movie that I really actually still like a lot of it. So I mean, it's yeah. really I'm really conflicted about this movie more than I usually am. <laughs> yeah. I usually have a firm feeling at the end, like oh, yeah. this is a movie that Pat well, hates or this well, is like, a movie normally, Pat likes. Normally, when we get a movie described as controversial or contentious, uh, it's because it's saying a thing. Uh, that we're going to find repulsive. Yeah, that's um, true. We're saying, we're saying a thing saying in a, a way thing that, that we find obvious. Find yeah. Sometimes saying a thing that we find obvious in a very repulsive way, like Sallow. Right. <laughs> and it's it's critique of power and media. Uh, but uh, whereas this movie is, is contentious because I don't know how to feel about it. Right. And I think that's also... The only problem I have with that is that I generally like movies that make me not know how to feel about them because they make choices and tell a story that is conflicted mentally inside of me. This one does that by just randomly putting in a scene, like a twenty-minute scene that I can't, I can't reconcile. Yeah, which is yeah. not a way to generate that feeling. Generally, that's that's a that's like that seems like an accidental generation of that feeling rather than a purposeful deliberate way where you like yes. tell a story that's yes. so complicated one can't simply just decide about it yeah yeah i mean because i could put random zombie sequences into other movies that and make them equally as confusing and conflicting for example let's take i don't know goodwill hunting <laughs> If we were to, I don't know, replace the third act of Goodwill Hunting with a zombie fight, you would go, well, the first two acts were pretty interesting. Um, but that third act was really contentious. Yeah, I, that, I can't uh... really reconcile that with the rest of it. And just, you know, really, just t- in your mind, just take any general movie that you've yeah. liked in the last 20, 30 years and just swap out the third act with a zombie sequence and see whether or not you would still <laughs> like the movie. Yeah. Unless that movie is a zombie movie. In that situation, <laughs> no harm, no harm. I suppose. Uh, anyway, I think we need to pull yeah, this Yeah, we do. We, we talked a bit too long about this one. Very, very fascinating movie. Uh, this week, obviously, talking about Straw Dogs. Sam Peckinaw's seventh film, 1971. Uh, next week, uh, we'll be uh, switching gears. Still kind of a psychological movie, though. Yeah. With yeah. Robert, Robert Bresson's uh, Les Dames du Bois du Blot. Uh, pretty good. I don't speak any French, but pretty good. <laughs> here's, the, here's the thing. Even in the English translation, all of the words I will have problems with are still in French. Yep. The Ladies of the Bois de Boulogne. Uh, 1945 French <laughs> It sounds worse, though, when you don't say the rest in French. <laughs> I know, right? I know, right? It really does. Uh, anyway, thank you for listening. I am, as always, the Adam Glass. With me, as always, John Patrick Oitari Dorgan. We'll see you next time. Bye.
have been listening to Lost in Criterion, a production of WithTwoBrains.com, hosted by Pat Dorgan and the Adam Glass, who also edits it down. Jonathan Hape did the music. Check him out at jonathanhape.bandcamp.com. Look for us on iTunes, or reach out to us at facebook.com slash lostincriterion, or lostincriterion at gmail.com.